The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All we can be sure of is this. Zach Berry and Grayson Weir are hashtag not committed. I love a good train wreck. Hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me as always, Grayson Weir. It is. Uh, it feels like the last couple episodes we've done, we've had weather updates in the intro. Uh, it is a dreary... Rainy day here in Nashville, but Grayson is here nonetheless. Grayson, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Zach. It's good to be back. It is a rainy day here, but not committed here to bring the sunshine. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then just complete reverse, uh, turning the show on its head here, going from rain to sunshine, now back to doom and gloom. Um, former Ole Miss head coach, Matt Luke announced that he would be stepping down from his role as Georgia's offensive line coach. Um, said he's stepping away from college football. Released a statement um, saying that, uh, quote, today after much prayer and conversation with my family, I've decided to step away from coaching and shift my focus to spending more time with my family. I want to thank Coach Smart, his wife, Mary Beth, and the entire Georgia family for an incredible past two seasons. I also appreciate Coach Smart's support in my decision today. He's a great coach, and I'll always cherish his friendship. It has been an honor of a lifetime to be able to win a national championship with the staff and these players. It's something I will never forget. Um, all right, so we're not talking about this because Matt Luke was the coach at Ole Miss previously um, before Lane Kiffin was hired. We are talking about this because of the recruiting angle that goes into this as this is a recruiting podcast. Uh, Matt Luke was the primary recruiter um, for one Arch Manning to Georgia. Georgia has been heavy in the mix. They are in the quote-unquote top four that everybody seems to think is the top four. No one really knows. Um, And a lot of people think they might be in the lead currently for Arch Manning, the 2023 quarterback from New Orleans, Louisiana, Isidore Newman High School. Obviously a legacy to Ole Miss, but uh, with Matt Luke stepping down, uh, I, I feel like it, it's not going to completely eliminate Georgia. Let's get that out of the way. They're still going to be in it, but it's a it's a it's a big hit, right? Absolutely, it is. I mean, first and foremost, I hope everything goes okay with the Luke family. Um, I don't know why he is stepping down to to be with his family, but more often than not there's kind of something on the back burner when, when a coach or a, a person or a professional chooses to step away from their profession to spend more time with their family. It could also just be, you know, Matt Luke made a ton of money to be the head coach at Ole Miss and then to not be the head coach at Ole Miss, made good money at Georgia and just won a national championship and just needs a break. But with that all being said, I hope everything is okay, you know, within the Luke family. He's a great guy. Um, but yeah, his, his, his impact on Arch's recruitment is interesting because he was recruiting Arch, you know, before he left for Georgia. 
when he was at Ole Miss, he was he was having conversations with the Manning family because the Manning family is always around the Ole Miss program. And then he went to Georgia and was the primary recruiter there. So does it flip anything in its head? No. Could it have a significant impact on Manning's recruitment? Absolutely it could. I mean, he's now going to have to switch primary recruiters. He's going to have to change the person that he is talking to most frequently with the Bulldogs, you know, whoever that may end up being likely the offensive coordinator will take over. Um, but the Manning family and Arch in particular have had a longstanding relationship with Matt Luke. And so for him to now be out of the equation, could it make a difference? Most certainly it could. Um, so it will be curious to see if anything changes, you know, as you said, that top four seems to be, Alabama, Texas, Georgia, Ole Miss, um, LSU and Florida are making a late push. Florida in particular, obviously, mm-hmm. has not been in the conversation at all. Um, so now that Matt Luke is out of the equation, it's just interesting to wonder, you know, if and how it does affect Arch's decision to continue this relationship <laughs> with Georgia. I don't think it will have a huge impact, but I think it certainly has some. Yeah, and you know, if you look at uh, Arch's profile at on3.com, the on3 database actually shows that both his primary and secondary recruiters are gone. Um, so on3 actually has Cortez Hankton, Hankton as his primary, Matt Luke as secondary. Interesting. Cortez Hankton has now left to coach at LSU uh, as their wide receivers coach there. Um, so yeah, both. Staffers are gone. Now, Kirby Smart was always going to be involved. I wouldn't be shocked if he takes on the role as his primary recruiter now, um, just because he's the number one overall player in the country, a five-star quarterback. Um, I mean, Lane Kiffin is essentially the primary recruiter for Arch. Charlie Weiss Jr. is right there with him at the secondary. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked there. But, yeah, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge hit for Georgia. I think that – they're still going to be in it until it's all said and done and he signs with whoever he picks. But um, you can't ignore the fact that, yeah, both his primary and secondary recruiters are now gone, have left the staff. And, and also it's a, a, a bit of a bit of a shakeup there in Athens because, you know, Dan Lanning obviously left to be the head coach at Oregon. And then uh, Jamil Day left uh, to be the defensive backs coach at Miami. So this is now the fourth assistant that has left uh, the staff. So, if anybody can can figure it, you know, look, you know, thoughts and prayers to, to Georgia and, and having to refill that staff, you know, man, what a <laughs> what a disaster in Athens, you know. Kirby Smart is, is losing control of the program, um, just like his uh, predecessor did all the time. But, um, yeah, it's a big deal. I, I don't think, you know, all jokes aside, I think this is a uh, – it's a huge deal because Matt Luke obviously had ties to Ole Miss. So I think that played into him being involved in the recruitment. He understands the pressure of, of having to think about going to Ole Miss and, you know, quote unquote, staying home and picking, you know, the school where he's a legacy. Um, you know, Matt Luke had experience coaching, playing, being around that program and, you know, maybe wanting to step outside the box and do something else. Now, you know, Matt Luke did decide to leave Ole Miss for Georgia. He was relieved of his duties, but had to be, you know, a little, a little weird. You know, he spent his entire life in that state played in that state, coached, and then now he had to go step over uh, into Athens, Georgia and be in the SEC East at a place that, you know, 
outside of playing them or coaching against them, um, you know, never been in those shoes. So I think there was some, probably some comfortability there that, that Arch had with Matt Luke and talking to him about potentially, you know, quote unquote, you know, spurning um, Ole Miss's advances to bring him in their 2023 class. So I think this is a big deal. And then you mentioned Hankton, one of the, the brightest young coaches in the industry right now, one of the best recruiters in the country. He is now at LSU. I don't really know how much LSU is going to be involved here. Um, I personally believe it's a little too little too late. I don't know if Arches, and this is my opinion, obviously, because we, we talked about this last week. Nobody really knows what's going on, so this is all conjecture. But I think Arch is probably wanting to venture out and do something different. Um, being in Louisiana and playing in, playing there in high school, uh, I, I don't know if LSU really gives the family the warm and fuzzies right now in terms of a program stability standpoint. Now we'll see what Brian Kelly does this year. He's a good coach. He's got a good staff. They have good players. One could, could surmise they'll probably be pretty good, but we don't know yet. Um, and then I don't know about Florida. Uh, Billy Napier is another young guy that, that waited and waited and waited and waited. Finally got out of Louisiana. He is now the head coach for the Gators. Um, I don't really know. I, people that are um, in the industry talk to sources around um, national recruiting analysts and, and folks that know, think that Florida is going to be in it at some point. Um, and if I had to guess, I would think that Arch will probably hear him out just out of, you know, just being a nice guy. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, be, be polite, be respectful to listen to their pitch now that Billy Napier is there because I don't think he was ever considering them when Dan Mullen was there. Completely different offense. It wasn't going to fit. And I don't think, um, you know, the writing was on the wall for Dan Mullen for, for quite some time last year. But, but, yeah, all that to say, it's a huge hit for Georgia. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens, what, what the shakeup is like in the, in the spring and the summer heading into the fall, because it, it, at one point people thought Arch might have a decision made um, in the spring um, before the summer. And now it looks like it might be pushed back into the fall. Maybe he might wait to uh, play his senior season and focus on that. Absolutely. And, and before we go any further here, I, I would like to clear the air for everyone who has this question because I received it a few times yesterday. Does Matt Luke stepping down in Georgia mean that he's coming back to Ole Miss? No, it's not. The, the move is not correlated. It has nothing to do with Ole Miss trying to bring Matt Luke back to Oxford. Now, with that being said, could it happen down the road? Is the possibility there? Sure. I guess, but this move has nothing to do with that. It does not have anything to do with trying to get Matt Luke back to Ole Miss to help recruit Arch Manning. Um, I mean, I, I could eat my words here for all we know that Matt Luke could join Ole Miss's staff tomorrow, but no, that's not going to happen. He's not doing that. Um, and again, with that being said, if that opportunity were ever to come about, where Ole Miss was looking at Matt Luke and Matt Luke had interest in returning back to Oxford, which I don't know if he would, it would be silly not to bring him back. So I saw that on my timeline yesterday too. People saying, no, no, never bring back Matt Luke. Why not? It would make a lot of sense if that opportunity were ever to arise to bring back a guy who is known to be a player's coach, 
who does a great job coaching an offensive line, just won a national championship, and has an understanding of Mississippi and Oxford and Ole Miss. He's been there, done that. So if that opportunity were ever to arise, yeah, you welcome him back with open arms, understanding that if the head coach ever leaves or is fired, he's not getting the interim job. But that's not going to happen. So, so for everyone out there listening who has that question or that thought in their head, oh, bring him home, bring him home, bring him home, at least for the next year, that's not going to happen. Don't, don't even consider that to be an option. Don't yeah. think of it as something that's coming to fruition. Don't think of, oh, you got to get Matt Luke back to Oxford so he can recruit Arch. Ole Miss is recruiting Arch just fine without him. Let the man live. Let him enjoy his time with his family. He's a great guy with a great, you know, head on his shoulders and he'll be just fine. So, so let's clear the air there because I received at least three text messages asking me yesterday if Matt would get back to Ole Miss. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not. it's, you know, it's wild. I, I just saw this um, kind of scanning the article here by Chris Lowe at ESPN. Matt Luke has been coaching in college for 23 years. Wow. I mean, that's, that's say what you want about Matt Luke and what he did when he was the head coach, you know, myself included, didn't think it was the right fit. Didn't think it was a great tenure, obviously, but the man has had a career. I mean, he was at Duke with, with David Cutcliffe. He was at Tennessee with Will Fulmer. Then he was at Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze. Um, and then obviously took the job when Freeze was let go. Um, you know, started really young and is, I mean, 23 years is a long time to do anything. Um, so yeah, like you said, it, who knows? It, I'm not going to rule it out completely. I don't no. know if Matt Luke will be moving back to Oxford. I'm sure he has a house or still has a house. I, you know, I don't know if he's going to stay in Athens. No one really knows. Um, I don't know if this is it. I don't know if he's done. He's no longer going to be coaching or if he just needs a break. I mean, with the transfer portal, with NIL, with everything that's been added to the recruiting landscape as an assistant, you're constantly doing stuff every single day. There is no, you know, there, there, there was always never an off season, but now there is really no off season. So um, yeah, you know, best wishes to him. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets the, the the needed time with family and, and gets a break and and hopefully that's just it hopefully it's th that's just maybe a little burnout he just wants to take a break um but uh but yeah so again i think this is this is this is certainly a crucial development in the archman recruitment whatever you want to say however you want to take it i think that he was a huge part of the pitch for archman to pick georgia um so with that we're gonna take our first break uh, when we come back, we'll have more not committed with myself and Grayson. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. 
And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild and South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. Show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoysia fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. And we are back here, not committed. Zach Barry, Grayson, we're with you. Uh, as we segue into our second segment, I do want to touch on, we, we mentioned him while we were talking, Matt Luke, um, David Cutcliffe. There was a rumor a couple of weeks ago, Texas was trying to hire him as an analyst. I don't know if it was on the field or off the field or you know what kind of assistant. Um, I would venture to guess it was probably off the field. Um, not really sure if there's anything else that's been going on uh, in terms of him being hired at Texas. Haven't heard anything. Uh, the good folks over at Inside Texas, part of On3.com, have not mentioned anything about it. Uh, the last update I saw that we reported at the OM Spirit uh, on the message board, you can get all of the updates uh, behind the paywall at OMSpirit.com, uh, was that Cutcliffe was listening to what Texas had to say. But he had other options on the table. So I, I don't know what schools those are. They didn't release any details. I don't know if they even know. Um, but he could be talking to others. But as of right now, um, he has not been hired by Texas. I know when that rumor started floating around and then it was confirmed that Texas was at least talking to David Cutcliffe, that people were freaking out, thinking that the Longhorns were going to jump back into it. Um, I don't think they were ever out of it. But uh, that would certainly hurt, help their case if they were to bring on David Cutcliffe. But for now, he has not been hired by Steve Sarkeesian. Um, but it, it again, this whole development is, is pretty crucial when it comes to recruiting uh, Arch Manning. And, and going back to would Matt Luke join Ole Miss's staff, I, I don't know. I don't know if Lane Kiffin has even thought about it. I don't know if he's even broached the topic with him. I don't think that that would really make that much of a difference if Ole Miss were to, hey, if we hire Matt Luke, that'll give us a leg up in this Arch Manning thing. I don't think that's – I personally don't think that's true, and I don't think that's how they're operating. I think uh, Ole Miss thinks they have as good a shot as anybody right now. I think they think they're in it. Charlie Weiss Jr. has been down there three times to see him. Um, Lane Kiffin has met with him in person. They've sat down with him and Cooper. Um, they have a good relationship. I don't see – that being an angle that they try to go is like, well, let's, you know, 
he's unemployed now, so let's go get him. Because one, Matt Luke has made it very clear that he wants to take a break. And two, I just don't think that they feel the need to do that right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I think I think when you say that Ole Miss thinks they're in it, I, I think it's even more significant than that. I think they, they think that they are right there in the lead neck and neck with those other four teams that have been listed. And and over the course of the past week, two weeks now, you know, there's been all kinds of reports. Oh, he's down to two. Oh, he's down to four. Cooper came out and said last week and set the record straight. Like, no, we're not down to two teams. We're still open. The timeline remains the same. It remains open. And for that timeline, um, I don't know what Louisiana high school basketball playoffs look like, but they just played their last district game um, on Saturday. So Take a look here. It's, it's time to gear up for the playoffs. And the, green, the Greenies are 25 and five right now. Yeah, they're really good. They're really good. Um, I believe they won their district champion or district championship. Uh, they've got a few guys who are going to go on and play for um, division one programs. And so there's a chance that Isidore Newman could be playing basketball for a couple more weeks. You know, they, they are the top seed in the division three playoffs for the state of Louisiana. And there's really no one that appears to be able to stop them. Um, all I of their won. five losses were out of district, were out of state to better programs. Yeah. Uh, their last game was Saturday against Sarah T. Reed. They won 94 to 47. Yep. There you go. Well, Sarah T. Reed is just aggressively awful. So that, that isn't the, maybe the, the best judgment. Um, per, per max preps, they are over on the year. That's tough. So whatever, uh, yeah, whatever that means. Um, but all of this goes to say, Arch isn't even considering his recruitment for football right now. And he won't be for probably two, maybe three or four weeks. He'll probably take a little time to like, okay, I'm between sports. I'm going to breathe go out, play some golf. Cause I believe he's pretty close to a scratch golfer. Um, sure. And of then will kind of turn his attention back to football. So nothing's going to change over the next three weeks, no matter who reports what, no matter who speculates, you know, Oh, he's down to two. No, he's not. It's still those four main teams with Florida and LSU hanging around. And that's not going to change for two or three weeks. So right now, Per Crescent City Sports, Ken Trahan, the Greenies will be the top seed in the Division Three playoffs. Um, like I said, twenty-five and five. The other number one seed is Carver. So that was on Sunday when this was reported. Um, trying to find a bracket for uh, their playoffs, but yeah, again, he's just playing basketball, trying to enjoy that um, for now, and then he'll turn his attention to his senior, uh, to his senior season. But he's, he's, he's made it very clear for now that he's at least focusing on being a high school kid and playing basketball with his friends. Uh, okay, here's the bracket. LHSAA boys – Marsh Madness. Ooh, that's that's clever. That is um, clever. So they get a first round bye. Their quarterfinal matchup will be between Holy Savior Menard and Pope John Paul II. 
That quarterfinal game will be on the 26th. So this weekend? So, yeah, this weekend. Semifinals, 28th through March 3rd, and then the finals would be the March 4th through the 5th. Oh, so a quicker timeline than I expected. So, yeah, quick turnaround. Um, the, the winner that they will be facing is either the 9 or the 8 seed. And then they wouldn't potentially face the 2 seed Episcopal until the state championship game or state championship series. I think it's – I don't know. No, it's got to be a one game. I think it's just the fourth or the fifth, depending on how things shake out. But um, – but yeah, so there's your Louisiana High School Basketball Division Three update here on Not Committed. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be any resolution to the Arch Manning recruitment for some time. And again, I've said this. I don't think we. I don't think we talked about this on the show, but I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I don't think at all. Again, my opinion. Haven't talked to Arch. Haven't talked to Cooper. Haven't talked to anybody. Haven't talked to his head coach at Isidore Newman. I think that wherever he choose, wherever he commits, wherever whoever he picks, that will be it. There will be no barring some like huge head coach shakeup. I don't think there will be any flip flop here. I think he will pick a school, and that'll be that. I agree, and I think that's why he's taking his time. Is he wants to make that decision confidently and definitively once? Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, barring a massive head coaching shakeup or some unforeseen circumstance um, that could obviously change things, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be one decision and that will be it. There's not going to be any flip-flopping. Um, there's not going to be any decommitting, recommitting drama. It's once he's committed, he's going to commit. And then I guarantee you, we won't hear from him until he gets to campus. Yeah. And I know it happens. There are times when quarterbacks flip, or decommit and change, but there's, especially at the quarterback position, there's normally a, a valid reason for that. Right. There is no, like, I'm going to commit early, but, oh, man, I'm still wide open, so I'm going to take my visits. Like, not historically, quarterbacks typically are a little more calculated and analytical with how they go about making their decision. I think that's there are other, There are other positions that do it, too, but quarterbacks in particular typically pick a school – and then get busy trying to get other talent around them. I think that'll be the case with Arch for, for, yeah. for certain. I do too. All right, we're going to take our final break here. When we come back, we're going to talk some baseball recruiting. Baseball kicked off over the weekend. Ole Miss swept Charleston Southern in dominating fashion. They are up to, I believe, as high as three in the polls. There might be one out there that hasn't been two. Maybe the Baseball Riders Association, but – D1 baseball has them at three now after a 3-0 weekend. When we come back, uh, they added a pretty impressive 2022 prospect to the class late in the uh, cycle, but uh, nevertheless, we will talk about Mr. Nathan Fink when we come back. Hang tight. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. 
podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Berry Home Team. If you're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home, call Stacy and Rick Berry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage, but intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. And we are back here on Not Committed. Zach, very Grayson, we're with you. All right, shifting from football to baseball. College baseball recruiting doesn't get a ton of fanfare. It doesn't nearly get as much as football or basketball. Um, but as we all know, Ole Miss, Mike Bianco, Carl Lafferty, Mike Clement, that staff do a fantastic job recruiting to the program. Um, top five program right now. They have a top five recruiting class. Um, I believe as it stands right now, they have four top 100 players added to this class. And uh, the fourth was added over the weekend on Sunday evening, Nathan Fink, Charlottesville, Virginia native, who is now playing his senior season at IMG Academy. 6'4", 205-pound outfielder, does some pitching a little bit here and there, probably kind of a closer role when he was in high school. He is, in, I think he is going to be an outfielder at the next level. Now, maybe he'll be some kind of Stephen Head, come in and, and 
throw gas in the eighth or ninth inning, but I believe he is a true outfielder. Um, he was committed to Virginia for quite some time, decommitted last summer. And uh, as I said, now at IMG Academy and committed to Ole Miss on Sunday. Uh, if you're not familiar with Perfect Games rankings, they do uh, everything on a scale um, of 10. Uh, he is rated as a 9.5, which would be a four-star fringe, five-star if you're equating that to how they do football and basketball. Um, but yeah, very impressive with the bats. Um, he is thought by most to be, um, you know, pretty handy with the stick. Um, people say he's sound defensively in the outfield, long and loose arm, um, a right fielder, probably at the next level, big, good tools defensively, but, uh, the bat is where he does a lot of his damage. Um, like I said, 6'4", 205, probably can get up to around 220, 225 in college when he gets into a weight program. Um, pretty decent runner, too, 6'7", 6 6 in the 60, and uh, pushing about 94, 95 below from the outfield. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of, his, uh, some of his highlights on Twitter or YouTube, but uh, he can really swing it. Yeah, he can mash. I saw I saw something over the weekend um, of him just like taking some batting practice last week, and and we forgot to mention he's down at IMG uh, down there in, in Braden, Florida. So he's he's training with the best of the best. He is going to school for athletics. I know they don't position IMG that way. Um, they are obviously a high school, but it is a school that you are there for athletics, and then you also take classes. Um, so he's getting as, as Cardell Jones would say, he ain't there to play school. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's because he asked me, but he's not there. He's not there for school. Um, and so also, also there, real quick, not to cut you off, but he is a uh, teammate now of Jackson Ferris, the top-rated prospect in Ole Miss's signing class. Uh, he's certainly a name to know, um, but uh, for a different reason. Uh, I suspect that uh, Mr. Ferris is going to hear his name called uh, in the MLB draft and probably won't make it to campus. Um, just my opinion. Um, but more times than not, lefties that are 6'4", 190, and uh, can top out at 96, 97, they normally don't make it to college. He's a perfect 10 on a perfect games, uh, PG grade scale. Um, but, hey, it doesn't hurt to uh, have two guys committed that are uh, on the roster there at IMG. Yeah, and Ferris, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to get to campus. I think he's going to hear his name called pretty early. Um, I just hope he doesn't pull one of those. I can't think of the guy's name right now. I'm drawing a blank. But he showed up in Oxford, uh, like was there for half a second, and then changed his mind and went to the pros uh, a couple of years back. The pitcher, I can't think of his name. But I hope we don't get that kind of situation. I hope it's either, hey – I'm going pro. Oh, or, Jackson Job. Yes, Jackson Job. And so hopefully <laughs> yeah, he, was, Jack, he, he was drafted in the first round. Hopefully Jackson Ferris. Yes, not to confuse Jackson's here. On campus and plays or says, okay, I'm just going to go pro. But back to Nathan Fink. I saw him ripping the ball in batting practice the other day. Uh, he was his his ball was coming off the bat at like 101 miles an hour, and he was mashing over 400 feet on a very consistent basis. So he he's a pretty impressive kid who 
has a big frame on him, has a pretty decent arm on him, um, and has all of the like right tools you would look for in an outfielder. Obviously, outfield um, isn't necessarily the most defensive savvy position in comparison to a shortstop or a second base, but obviously you want someone down there on the line who isn't going to cost your team the game and he will not do that. And I think that's, that's the important part here because we've seen outfielders at Ole Miss who are there for their bats. And while Fink is undeniably there for his bat, putting him in the field is not a liability or a concern. And that's, that's, that's really nice because there's a lot of situations in college baseball where that's not the case. They're just in right field because they can hit. And they need a spot yeah. in the line. Well, like I said, he, he runs well. I mean, six seven six is is moving for a big guy. That's a you know, typically you want to ha- if if you have really good speed, you're, you're probably in the six three six four six five range. Six six is about average for a sixty yard dash. Um, typically, though, in baseball, your left fielder is probably the guy that is your least efficient outfielder but he hits really well. Um, you can kind of see that in some of the past Ole Miss lineups with guys like Thomas Dillard, who was a great athlete, but he was not a natural outfielder, but he That's hit the ball really well. Too. So he played left. And, you know, all due respect to Kevin Graham, who has made some nice plays during his time at Ole Miss. He's gotten better over the years as an outfielder, but he plays left because he hits. Um, typically your center fielder is going to be your best athlete all around outfielder can go and get the ball in the gap. And then your right fielder is a guy that hits well and has a good arm. That's kind of how you're more than likely cultivating a lineup. That's kind of what you're looking at in those three spots. But I mean, perfect game. Uh, Listen, you know, they say lots of physical projection, fluid swing could already impact ball to pull side. Um, He was an MVP of a 14 and under WWBA world series. Um, plays uh with canes national which is a really good travel ball team a lot of Ole Miss guys play with canes national um but you look at the depth of this 2022 class we already talked about ferris and he's probably headed to the majors he's probably going to hear his name called pretty early um but right there at number two below ferris roman anthony you want to talk about a guy that is your prototypical outfielder 6'3 195 from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Parkland, Florida. He might be even more valuable than a Jackson Ferris because of the the ability to play defense and hit. Now, Ferris is a legitimate day one arm who would be a Friday night starter probably instantly when he steps on campus. Roman Anthony, though, perfect 10 grade on, on, on perfect game. Uh, they have the uh, scouting report for him, quote, ball sounds different off the barrel. Big power potential, a 6'5", 2 runner, always seems to hit better against better pitching, and he had a big-time 17 and under WWBA World Series appearance. So um, I've seen a lot of people uh, say that his game is a little, a little reminiscent of a guy by the name of J.B. Woodman who was uh, pretty good for Ole Miss, if uh, those remember uh, Mr. Woodman back in the day. Uh, right below him, another top 100 guy, Jordan Vera, another another Florida guy from Plantation. Um, perfect 10 on perfect game. They said that he had an impressive jump in stuff in 2021. 
upper 80s in 2020. Now he's sitting mid-90s. Outstanding change-up, solid slider, throws strikes, competes. That's the word that I hear a lot about Jordan Vera. Competes a lot. Um, pumps the zone, challenges hitters with that fastball, with the off-speed stuff. And he's already built pretty well, 6'3", 205. Um, this, this class, like I said, it's top five right now. You got somebody like Mason Morris from just down the road in Tupelo, 6'5", 220 infielder, probably going to project as a third baseman, play some shortstop for Tupelo. But at 6'5", and 220, you're probably going to be on the corner there. Um, they even list him. He's a perfect 10 on perfect game, future third baseman with big right-handed power plus athleticism for his size. And he uh, also bumps 92, 93 on the mound. Um, they've got some good pieces in this class, Grayson. If you look at it, good mix of pitching and hitting. Um, and then they've got some big bodies there. Uh, Wilburn Furness from Texas, Nagadocious, 6'4", 212, first baseman. We already talked about Fink, 6'4", 205. Grayson Sonier from Carryville, uh, up the road in Memphis. Right-handed pitcher, 6'4", 190. I mean, this is a class outside of Robert Phelps from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 5'10", 160. And then Jamie McKay, 5'11", 160 from modern day out in Newport Beach, California. Everybody else in this class is at least 6'2", or bigger. So the game of, of baseball changing, and you know as well as I do that the approach at the plate has shifted over the past couple of years. It's all about launch angle. It's all about exit velocity. It's all about creating that torque with your hips and with your hands and getting these big bodied guys into a college weight program. When you can, when you can sign someone that's showing up for class day one for that syllabus week, and they're already six, four, 200, you're doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's my inner John Elway might be showing here, but I'm a, I'm a big proponent of size uh, when it comes to really all sports. You know, I always like big, big, big fellows getting in there. And like you said, this class has a lot of size to them. And, and two guys that I, you know, the two biggest guys in the class that I really like, and I'm going to butcher his name here. So if I say, if you know how to say it, um, please correct me because I've never actually had you say it out loud. I've only put it in writing. Um, Sam Tukoyan is, uh, he's a six, five, 225 pound right-handed pitcher. He could play first base or third base, um, in college. I bet that they'll try to keep him, um, in the bullpen as long as, as they can. He's six, five, 225. He's listed as a 9.5 on perfect game. I really like, um, his growth. And, and I don't mean that literally, although I do like his, his 6'5", 225 size. I mean his growth over the past three, four years now. He's added almost 15, 16, 17 miles an hour to his fastball. Um, and so I think if you can get him into a college system and continue to develop him, he could be a very valuable guy out of the bullpen down the road. And then someone who doesn't get as much love um, just because he's not considered as highly ranked of a prospect but i think he could do big things as jt quinn out of tampa florida he's 6'6 225 so this dude's huge um he reminds me a lot of houston roth and mm -hmm. houston roth did a lot of good things in oxford and having someone with that size to come in and just throw down um on sec headers is is a variable very valuable asset that can't be 
understated. Now he's going to need a lot of development. He may not ever get to the point where you can rely on him consistently as either a starter or out of the bullpen. Um, but if he can, having someone at 6'6 is a very valuable piece to a bullpen when you're trying to get someone to come in seven, eighth, ninth inning, maybe even earlier than that to cover a couple of innings and just have him throw straight gas um, on some guys. He could be a very valuable mid-inning guy who could could fill that stretch or um, you could bring him in as a setup guy and just have him pump heaters for nine straight pitches and hope that, you know, you get three, three straight strikeouts on, on three pitches. So I, I, like you said, the, the size in this class is the biggest standout for me. Um, and again, that might be the John Elway and me always looking for the big guys who are, have some athleticism to them. But I, I think that's a valuable proponent as college baseball continues to move away from finesse and defense and more towards just crushing the ball. Um, and so I think that that's the big takeaway for me is that size that you were talking about. Yeah. I like the, the Houston Roth comp for, for JT Quinn. Um, also coming out of Berkeley prep there in Tampa, that's a really good high school baseball program. So anytime you can get a player out of that, um, that jumps off the page immediately, but I like the comp there mid to high eighties fastball right now. But Again, you mentioned Houston Roth, and that was a guy that came in, um, you know, was a starter in high school, obviously, uh, being one of the better players in the state of Mississippi. But he did a little bit of everything when he was in Oxford. He was a midweek starter. Then he was a setup guy. He even came in in some late inning appearances as a, you know, somewhat of a, a middle or late relief or closer type role. Had a really good SEC tournament showing when Ole Miss won it all a couple years ago. But but yeah, I mean, you you have the frame to work with is is kind of the 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 gist that we're we're talking about here. And yeah, when you're six six two oh five, I mean that's a that's a good frame to work with. And the the depth of this class and then the depth of the roster that's already on campus, you're not having to ask JT Quinn or Sam Takuian to come in and immediately contribute. Right. Um, you know, you talked about Sam and, and being six five, two twenty-five. I mean, just built like an absolute coat machine but um you know you you mentioned the progression of his fastball and how he's added some velo to it but he's got a nice arsenal on the mound um you know his curveball has shown some shape 11 to 5 not a traditional 12 to 6 um and he mixes speeds pretty well you know mid 70s with the 11 to 5 curveball and then perfect game says he has a feel for for landing a changeup that he kind of flashes in there that's about 82 um, so he's got a nice three-pitch mix um, in high school already. So you get somebody like that in Oxford to work with Carl Lafferty in the bullpen and get into an off-season program, get in the weight room. And again, you're already working with 6'5", 225. So someone that can improve their mechanics and improve you know, that three-pitch mix, maybe add a couple ticks to the fastball. I mean, that's really all you can ask for when you're adding high school players to your roster. And then look, I mean, I think the transfer portal is going to be as big or even bigger in baseball with um, you've seen what Ole Miss has been able to add with Jack Washburn and, and Josh Gaddis guys that are, you know, Gaddis already threw on the weekend last weekend against Charleston Southern. I think Washburn is going to eventually get there. He uh, came in in some relief appearances over the weekend and looked good. 
Um, so yeah, that's a, a Juco guy that you add in Gaddis and then a former starter at Oregon state, a pretty damn good PAC 12 program that uh, you get in Washburn. So um, being able to find the right mixture of talented high school guys that you can bring in, develop, and then also adding pieces from the portal is, uh, I think it's going to be huge in baseball, if not even bigger than it is in football and basketball. So, um, but yeah, I mean, an impressive class to bring in. I mentioned uh, they're already top five. Uh, they're fourth right now in perfect game. Um, 17 total commits. Um, Louisville, Vandy, and LSU are ahead of them. Um, only 17 commits right now for Ole Miss. Louisville has 20. Vandy has 18. LSU has 19. Um, man, this LSU class is – man, I don't know if you've looked at this. They have 19 commits, 11 are top 100. They're good, and they're going to be uh, good. It, it's – I mean, my word. It's scary. I mean – what they've been able to do after pulmonary steps away um, is, is impressive. I mean, uh, his name has escaped me. Um, the head coach from Arizona that came over to take the job. Um, they haven't, they haven't skipped a beat and it's look, it, it's, they're always going to be there. LSU is always going to be at the forefront of college baseball. Jay Johnson. There it is. His last name was Johnson. Um, yeah. Dan Fitzgerald, the recruiting coordinator there, um, they've just done a remarkable job. So that's just it's it's the same like it like it is in football where you're having to keep up with everybody else getting the Jimmys and the Joes. LSU, Vandy in front of you, Louisville in the ACC getting it done. Arkansas right behind Ole Miss, Mississippi State at seven, Auburn at nine, Florida at eleven, Alabama at thirteen. Taking uh, taking baseball a little bit more serious over there in Tuscaloosa now. A&M at 15. Um, you've got Tennessee at 22, another program that is starting to really buck its head in college baseball. South Carolina at 23. They're always going to be solid. I mean, the SEC continues to just absolutely reload in college baseball. Yeah, and and it's going to be interesting to see how much that transfer portal comes into play on a larger scale in baseball because, like you said, Ole Miss is using it to their benefit this year. It will be curious to see um, in a sport like baseball where a lot of those top guys are going on to the MLB right out of high school. Um, will that transfer portal become something that other teams who are landing top 10 recruiting classes like Ole Miss is, like LSU is, like Arkansas, Mississippi State, et cetera, it'll be curious to see if there is any sort of transition away from traditional high school recruiting and towards that transfer portal, as we have seen in college football with a lot of programs that are scaling back on the amount of scholarships they offer to high schoolers, maybe getting keeping those low-end roster spots available for transfer portal guys. It will be interesting to see how that plays out um, in college baseball over the next couple of years, because as of right now, while it is a factor, and there are teams like Ole Miss who are taking advantage of what the transfer portal has to offer. It's not being used in the same way that it is in football. And so it'll be interesting to see if that pendulum swings back the other way um, or if it stays as just a valuable secondary asset to take advantage of in addition to all the high school kids. That's what I'm curious to see play out in particular. 
Yeah, I think it's especially going to be a big deal for for a program like Ole Miss that is just seemingly one, two players away potentially from getting back to Omaha. Um, mm. You know, last year, one of the better teams that Mike Bianco has had, two of the better pitchers on your weekend rotation that Ole Miss has ever had in its history, and they just run into a buzzsaw out there in Tucson. So um, using the portal as your – like you said, is, is just another asset to adding talent to your roster. And I think that Ole Miss is a program that will certainly continue to do that because they are just right there knocking on the door and the pressure is up. Mississippi State wins a national title last year. The pressure was already up before that, but just even more so now that another SEC program has hoisted the trophy at now it is no longer TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, whatever field it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the portal is going to be a huge factor moving forward. And speaking of the portal, Grayson, as we close up shop here on Tuesday on Not Committed, two more TCU guys on the board, Kari Coleman and O'Shawn Mathis. Kari Coleman, most people believe that he is potentially headed for Ole Miss, the Rebels like where they are right now. The Louisiana native is not considering LSU for several sources. Don't think Texas is involved at all with Gary Patterson on staff there um, on the 100 acres. So I think Coleman, I don't know if there's a decision imminent at any point because he can sign whenever he wants. He's still finishing up his spring semester in Fort Worth. I think Ole Miss is poised to land him. O'Shawn Mathis released his top five last week. Ole Miss made the cut, the only SEC team involved there. I think the Longhorns are going to be the team to beat there for the Texas prospect. I think Gary Patterson is going to be an even bigger factor in Mathis's recruitment. But Ole Miss made the top five. They like where they're at. But potentially, Zach Evans might have a couple of familiar guys in the locker room with him uh, before uh, Ole Miss takes the field in the fall. Yeah, I, w- I would crystal ball Kari Coleman to Ole Miss. I would say the same um, as you about O'Shawn Mathis to Texas. But his top five were USC, Texas, Ole Miss, Penn State, Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska's in the mix. I don't think Penn State's in the mix. I think USC is interesting because of Lincoln Riley, but I don't think they're in the mix. And I don't think Ole Miss is really firm in there because he's going to Texas, I would guess but I think it's probably down to Ole Miss and Texas. Ole Miss being the place that mm-hmm. his teammate is set to go. Zach Evans is already there. Um, and then Texas with that Gary Patterson connection. So it's nice to be in the mix. It would be awesome. A huge addition, like we talked about, if that came to fruition, but I don't think it will. Yeah, you can also potentially get into a numbers game there. If you get Corey Coleman, who's an edge defender, outside linebacker type do they want to get another defensive lineman like Mathis or do they want to go linebacker or do they want to go best available and just kind of pick and choose who else they are wanting they're still looking to add Deion Smith if he gets his academics in order they would absolutely take him as a surefire bona fide day one starter at receiver Um, so that's where the staff is going to have to kind of pick and choose with where they want to go in terms of you know, who is better suited to round out this roster as they get ready for spring practice and then get into the summer. But right now, um, looking at Matt Zenitz 
uh, on three database transfer portal, the top ranked players right now. Osha Mathis comes in at number eight. Um, scrolling down through here, most of the top guys have already signed. Deion Smith at 26. We mentioned him. And then as we keep scrolling on down, efforting, efforting. Um, two quarterbacks that we've talked about at some point, JT Daniels and Jaden Daniels are both in the portal now. Um, Jaden Daniels got in there pretty late. Um, that was interesting. Brew McCoy, the uh, talented wide receiver that we've talked about out of USC. He's still out there undecided. Kamara Wheaton, the running back from Alabama, originally from Texas is in the portal. Could potentially add a running back. Don't really know. Um, so still a ton of options um, still out there in the portal if they uh, kind of make a decision on what they want to do and what position they want to bring someone on. So hang with us, OM Spirit, part of the On3 network. We will keep you abreast of all of the transfer portal comings and goings, and uh, we'll be back to uh, talk with you on Thursday. Grayson, always a pleasure, and uh, we'll do this again later this week. Absolutely, we will. And before we sign off, this is your, your weekly reminder. With all these people on the transfer portal, with Arch Manning, do not tweet at recruits. Do not tweet recruits. Thank yes. you and good night. Great, uh, great reminder there. It is never a good time to tweet at recruits. So that's going to do it for Not Committed. Thanks to Grayson. Thanks to you, the listener. And, of course, thanks to the sponsors that make this show possible. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, we out.